Hi, I'm Andras Jones, the host of Radio 8 Ball, the daily podcast from Starburns Audio, where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions, like picking musical tarot cards. And on this week's episode, we are featuring singer-songwriter Anya Marina, whose new web series, Anya Marina, Independent Woman, is available from Warner Sound. The series features Kate Walsh, Nigel Fullerton, Ian Fidance, and other funny, talented friends of Anya's who join us to ask a question for the Pop Oracle on our show. Now, for the next two weeks, we're making a limited-run t-shirt featuring the cover of Anya's Radio 8 Ball episode available. Just go to the Radio8Ball.com and click on the shop link at the top of the page. This offer is good through June 3rd, so... Don't miss out on this opportunity to celebrate your love for Radio 8 Ball and adorn yourself with Anya Marina's face. A podcast network. Hi, this is your old friend Dave Alvin, and right this second, you're listening to Radio 8 Ball with your pal Andras Jones. Radio 8 Ball, give us a shake We're in the studio, tempting fate Putting questions to the songs that we will randomly select Here with the help of our friend Synchronicity And now it's time for The Radio 8 Ball, give us a shake Welcome back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions, like picking musical tarot cards. I'm your host, Andras Jones, hanging out here at the the Vanilla Sky Lounge in Midtown Manhattan with our musical guest, Andrea Witkins. Howdy. And now we are joined on the line by a man returning to the realm of the Pop Oracle. It's been a long time. The last time he was on this show, he was the musical guest when we were broadcasting on KAOS and Olympia. He is the guiding force behind an event that we have been talking about pretty much nonstop throughout this entire... I know. It uh, comes along co- a lot. This entire conversation. Welcome back to Radio 8 Ball, Pat McDonald. It's great to be here. Thanks. Yeah, it's great to have you. Now... I'll just say right. I'll just get it out out of the way right away. Right away, you you were a guest on the show, but I first, I mean, most pe a lot of people first encountered you with your band, Tim Buck Three, and the first time I encountered you was we were both protesting nuclear testing in the Nevada desert in nineteen ninety two. That's where we go back to, yeah. The hundredth monkey uh-huh. event, yeah, which was yep, a, a that's what it was, yeah. Yeah, a very foundational event for me, and I remember I was just sort of kind of starstruck because, you know, I hadn't met any big rock star bands that had singles on MTV and stuff before, and so I was just sort of like, oh, it's so cool. They actually, you know... They They care. Yeah, they care. (laughs) The future is so bright. (laughs) Give me those shades. It was a strange gig, you know? Yeah. (laughs) we We were staying in a hotel in Las Vegas, and going out to the desert outside of Las Vegas, I don't know how many miles out it was, 
But Wavy Gravy was in the same hotel as us. Do you remember who that is? Oh, yeah. I ended up going on tour with them on the Nobody for President tour out of that. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I schmoozed the hell out of that protest. <laughs> <laughs> it, was very, it was a very strange situation yeah. yeah yeah so but like that's that just i want to just get a little bit of our history out of the way but now tell tell us about how you and andrea know each other well we we were introduced by a friend a mutual friend of ours um, named joe caster and um um i i think we we did meet while i was out visiting him in seattle right Andrea? Yeah. i think you dropped by vincent's house maybe when i was recording Stuff there. Well, he hosted, yeah, and he hosted you in a in a living room concert at his place too, and that's where I first saw you stomping away. It was in ah, his, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Ah, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, gotcha. And then, and then, um, the next time we encountered each other, we you had come to do a, a little kind of house concert for us out on the lawn in front of the motel. Mm-hmm. Um, years later, when we. You know, when, well, we hadn't been in the motel very long at that point. You're kind of like an early uh, performer, you yeah. know. Um, you know, you had your piano out on the front lawn. Yeah, I really. remember that. And you played harmonica with me on a Tom Waits tune. I remember that, too. Tango till they're sore. Tango till they're sore, yeah. Well, and it's funny because we, Joe... We Joe, might have recordings of that Really? Stuff, you know. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, Joe had been telling me about the Steel Bridge Fest for, you know, Songfest for, for years. And I said, yeah, and he was like, there's this cool thing happening in Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin. And, you know, like anything that you don't know about, if you haven't experienced, you kind of like, uh, you're like, oh, that's that's cool, whatever. And then, but visiting you that summer, which was before I actually came to a festival, that was when I first realized what a special place that was. And that really piqued my interest to come to the Steel Bridge Songfest in 2010, which is, is you know, what's my first time there and then I've been going every year since yeah no yeah, you know, go on Andres, um, there is a core of brilliant writers that come like regularly that that we would really miss them if they didn't show up to one of our events Andrea is one of these people she's like she's like <laughs> part of the, the the core of people who always come through as far as writing great songs on the spur of the moment and um yeah i don't know what we'd do without you oh uh, i i don't know what i'd do without uh the holiday music motel so it's a very very <clears throat> mutual love yeah so can you give us a little bit of background on the on this i mean literally every session we've done the festival has come up. It's right. obviously uh, had a huge impact on your musical life, Andrea. Right. Well, every song that is on the the board tonight is one that came out. Yeah. It has a genesis there. Yeah. So, Pat, can you tell us a little bit about? Um, you've probably told this story many times, but our listeners haven't heard it before. Can you tell us about the origins of this festival and what it is that uh, mm-hmm. inspired yeah. you to create it? Uh, well, initially, I, I had just moved back in back to the states. Um, from Barcelona, Spain. I was living there for about eight years. And then um, and then I got involved in my sister's Save the Bridge cause. There, there's an old steel bridge, which is kitty corner to the motel. Um, that's a drawbridge. And it, uh, um, it was, it was kind of, 
scheduled to be torn down. The, the, for some reason, the locals were not rallying behind this bridge, and and um, and so we we decided to do some concerts. And Jackson Brown came and you know helped and played, and um, the first one and the first four actually annual ones because we decided to do it annually after the first time. And you know we we actually. Uh, wrote songs about inspired by the bridge and presented them to the public and we really i think rallied a lot of the people here to be in favor of this thing so you know music and political activism local you know historic preservation and um that 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 was really interesting to me being involved in that and and, and i i just sort of wanted to take it through the roof and and, and um, uh, one of the writers I invited from San Francisco she was all gung-ho and she was like why don't we buy a motel and I'm like yeah we, why don't we buy the one that we were renting this week for this event so I went and asked the owners and they were into it and so uh, about a year later we owned the motel and um, <clears throat> um and uh yeah, there's a lot, lot of the story since then, but uh, it's grown, and uh, I'm sure Andrea will be telling you a lot more. Well, I go ahead already. I have, I have a couple of questions about this. First of all, Jackson Brown is a pretty big get for your first festival. What was was? Do you have a personal connection with him, or does your sister have? A, does he have a personal connection to this to this region? What was it that? That made that well, happen. way back, the way back when Timbuk Three was still together, we did a, some some uh, kind of benefit shows together, and um, he and I, you know, rode rode together in a car in my van um, from one one show to the next, and we got to you know got to know each other well, and then then I would go out there and we'd hang out and you know try to write songs together and. Um, uh, and he, uh, he, he and I just became good friends and, and, uh, to where I could just kind of call him on the phone and say, Hey, would you like to come help us save a bridge? <laughs> and, uh, he was, he was into it and he's been really supportive ever since. In fact, he was one of the people who, uh, who, who partnered with us to buy the motel and, um. And that was what got a lot of other people interested in party part uh, yeah uh, partner with us. So so he's been really instrumental, and we've you know he's come back to do other shows, um, and he did a benefit concert for us a couple years ago to to get this new building going. We we have the other building on the block, so we we now occupy an entire city block with the motel and everything. And that's the other thing I was going to ask about was the, I mean, I'd love to just ask you some more questions about Jackson Brown, but that's for another time. But, uh, but uh, I'm curious yeah, about the, anytime, man. Call me. <laughs> I mean, I, I have, I have my own, he, I, I think he just goes around doing solids for, for songwriters. He did a, he did me a really cool, just didn't have to do it. No big deal for him, but a big deal for me solid once a long time ago that landed me on a stage that I probably wouldn't have got onto otherwise. Uh, and uh, just from sharing a sound check together at a protest, but uh, but 
I want to ask he's you about. He's just an extremely. He's an extremely generous person, you know. Yeah. And and he all he's he always is, you know. He that 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 he never takes a break, you know. Never takes a break from being a cool person. Yeah, that's <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. Yeah, I'm not surprised. So, but now I want to talk with you about this. So this motel. I'm always interested when artists take over a a place of business. And um, so, for how many rooms are in the motel? Eighteen. Eighteen rooms, and two, two stories, nine 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 uh, rooms on each floor. And yeah. so when you, had you stayed there before you purchased it? Oh man, I, I, I've loved this place ever since I was a kid because it was the first, first business you saw once you crossed this bridge, which brought you into Door County, which is vacation land. So when we were kids, we'd go on vacation here and I'd go camping. But the first thing we saw was this neon sign and this white building with red awnings and a red roof and it was pretty impressive to me when I was a kid and then later on you know um, uh, you know I, I I did photo sessions there when I was living when I did an album for uh, this German label and and uh, and, uh, and and uh, you know to get that look and that feel in the photographs and then later on uh, you know the girl that was in the photo sessions with me, um, we got married and, and we spent our wedding night in, in this motel, you know? And uh, so there's a lot of history with me in this motel. In fact, it was built the, the year I was born too, which is an odd wow. little Lots of, So it sounds like there's a lot of synchronicity around this place. It's almost like the opposite of the Outlook Hotel from The Shining. <laughs> it's a place full of light and happy ghosts. Yeah. Well, and yeah. you know, we spin the bottle there, too, so, like, there's synchronicity every festival, too. Oh, wow. Just getting, that's how you get your partners, so, oh, yeah. so cool. So, uh, so, one more question before we get to the, the musical divination part. What is the biggest change that you feel like you brought to the motel when it be- was taken over by artists, was is there was it an aesthetic thing? Was it a way that the businesses run? But is there is there any some any major change with it when you took it over that you felt like you brought something to it that it what that wasn't there before? Well, we we brought this this mission to it basically the, the, this musical uh, purpose, you know. And but the other thing was we really loved the the, the 50s look of it and we really kind of accentuated that and brought brought in some uh, some new curtains and things that sort of accentuated that we made it look more um more what do you call it uh um sort of more more uh, colorful 50s, you know, and then and, and actually, kitschy, I like the, like, I like the early 60s look. I do like. I, I don't think the 50s actually reached fruition until the early 60s, <laughs> and, uh, and so a lot of the stuff through the 50s still had a 40s aesthetic, which our mm-hmm. motel did, you know, and and we kind of updated the interior a little bit. Although the exterior, I've always thought was just beautiful, you know, but. Uh, to me, there was a show when I was a little kid called 77 Sunset Strip. Yeah. And, uh, 
those buildings in Hollywood, um, the, the building they occupied, when I saw this, when I was a little kid and saw this building, it kind of reminded me of 77 Sunset Strip, a Hollywood kind of image, you know, it's like what I imagined, you know, the West Coast to be at the time, you know. Um, anyway, yeah, we brought a lot to this place, I think, um, but the great thing is that the owners have kept really good care of this place. Every owner, there have been so many since, since 1952, and nobody really trashed it. We still have the original metal furnishings that are, actually there's, um, they're in the, uh, Smithsonian. There's a room that looks like one of our rooms in the wow. Smithsonian with the same furniture. It's this great 50s metal, you know, fabulous 50s kind of furniture. Yeah. Cool. Well, now, I, I mean, first of all, I, I, I got I to gotta come to this place. Sounds I know. magical. Yeah, yeah. Sounds uh, yeah. phenomenal. But we, but uh, well, this again, that's another thing we can talk about it when we're exchanging Jackson Brown stories and a phone call at a future date. But for now, let's get into Anytime. your question yeah. for the Pop Oracle. What do you have for us, Pat? Oh, oh man, I was thinking about a question today, and I was, <sighs> you know, I really all I came up with is kind of a strange question, but um. I don't know, it might bring some interesting discussion uh, or an interesting answer. Um, what my question is, is that now in, in today's world, today's music scene or cultural, you know, world today, of today, uh, is music, is music like Cracker Jack or is it has it become more like the prize inside the box hmm oh interesting that's a nice metaphor so is music like the Cracker Jacks or is I, it like the prize inside the box they said you get free um free uh Apple music with with an iPhone and I thought oh wow the Cracker Jack prize you know <laughs> And I like that it's yeah. a it's a reference from the era of the motel too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I'm all retro. All yeah. The way. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, now to engage the pop oracle, you. Oh, actually, we have we have already we've exhausted the wheel. So now we're moving to the radio eight cards, and so now on your behalf to engage the pop oracle, I am going to pick a card, any card. Pick a card, any card. Pick a card, any card. Pick a, 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 pick a card. Six. Song number six, which is. You always come when I call. You always come when I call, and now we're going. Oh, I know that. You, you know all these songs, Pat. They were all written under your roof. <laughs> Got your machete and you come back. Boots, you 
Hanging out the window, leaning in your door Whispering my name from the mattress on the floor Over on a table to load 44 Cause you always come when I call You always come when I call Can't deny the feeling, the money in your fist Stink got a witness, cross them off the list Head down, don't you try to resist Cause you always come when I call You always come when I call. I mean, I in, in my mind, this this is kind of a song about uh, addiction, you know, just getting pulled in by something that's your master. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's a very, um, it's kind of like the, the, the dark underbelly side of, of, of addiction. And addiction can be anything, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily like substances, drugs, or alcohol. I mean, it can be that, but it could be, you know, a person or a thing or, uh, you know, uh, anything that you feel like you're kind of have you're losing control over, but um, it's the underbelly of it. But it's also the kind of uh, uh, we wanted it to be kind of you know almost like sexually sparked, uh, you know, like uh, it's like it's showing like the turn on of it, but then the, the 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 black of it as well. Well, Pat, what did you think about that as the answer to the question? It's interesting because it it really uh, it doesn't simplify the question or the <laughs> for me it, it, it kind of seems to complicate it more but I like that about it it kind of it, it's something that's gonna stay with me because I uh, hearing it on the phone just now I I wasn't hearing um, all the lyrics or or many of the lyrics I have the lyrics here though I have a version of the song I can listen to later and I'll be able to uh, I'll, 
I'll read a lot into this in 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 regards to my question. What do you what do you think um, about it? It seems to be pertinent to the question. I think the, so. The addiction part, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I guess. So I, I had some ideas about it. First of all, the 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 lines that I found to be the most potent were, say you can own me, all my beauty and my charms, say you found Nirvana with track marks in your arms. And I don't know, was, was that, a, was that an, a reference to the band Nirvana as well? B- both the yeah. band Nirvana and also same, seeing that you like, hey, right. you've, you've found this, this you place, found, but, but you're also got a needle in your arm, right, so right. good luck with that. So it just made me think that to me the answer was was neither i feel like because I, I i guess maybe this is just a inside baseball kind of thing we're all songwriters so we can we don't need we don't need to we don't need a cracker jack box right we don't need a cd we don't need anything to be able to have songs in our lives other than our own instrument right and to me that i don't know just the 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 product is always cheaper than with music is always cheaper than the thing like the it's it's cool to have a cool 45 but it the song isn't the 45 right the song isn't the cd and mm-hmm. i and sometimes songwriters people either don't believe me or they think that this is an arrogant thing to say or you know whatever or they think i'm bragging but it's just the truth i've never ever had a pro like i've never had a problem writing a song it's just right. ne- that's never been lucky you like it's all it's, <laughs> i can't i've had i've had a ton of problems getting anyone to listen to them or care about it <laughs> but i all i need is a room and a guitar and i've i've just i've never walked out of that room i've, I've sometimes maybe i've walked out of it and thought oh that was a song i'm not going to listen to i'm gonna you know cool i wrote that but that didn't really do it for me it's done right and maybe if someone was there it might be something but so that idea of you always come when I call, I mm-hmm. feel like that is the nature of inspiration. If you put yourself there, I mean, we're all standing on the shoulders of giants a song, when we're writing songs. Right. Even if we've never heard songs, like just the chord structures right. lead to, I don't know if you find this, but a lot of times when you write, when you find a songwriter and they write a song and you're like, wow, that sounds a lot like so-and-so, you find out that they never listened to so-and-so. Right. Because if you would, if they had listened to them, they would have avoided trying to sound like them. But the chords and the instrument naturally will yeah. lead you in that direction. Yeah. And that's when, so the the songs are just waiting yeah. to come when we call. Yeah. Right. The instruments make it happen. Yeah. The the joy in singing, the joy in using words. I think that's probably why I never have trouble writing a song because I never have trouble thinking of something I want to say. I'm yeah. just a blah, 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 blah. I'm just a, I like words and I like <laughs> saying stuff. And I also find a lot of times that the world doesn't understand what I'm trying to say. So my songs are a, a pleasant place to be able to make the points that I want to make right. and have them register with at least my own consciousness yeah. and some imagined person out there which who may or may not ever hear it. Yeah. So I guess that's what I was thinking about was that there is – that the. Not to diss on your question, which I think is a great a great question, but I th- it to me the songs are so much more sacred than the artifacts. Right. And so I think you're right that the world sees them as either the can this sort of throw like two like throwaway yeah. things. 
Yeah. But I don't. Right. Well, and I would say, just to play devil's advocate a little bit, or or, or to, to I, I agree with you, like, the, if I had an angel and a devil on my shoulder, which I often do. And that's if, in if, the song. When I, yeah, and call me angel, call me devil. There's the angel part that wants to be the artist that does not care about money or fame or recognition for my art. I want. I truly want to be like. I'm putting out these songs because it's for the betterment of humanity, and it needs to come out. And it's this pure, beautiful, innocent thing. I cannot say that in all my, you know, years of making music that I have let go of that idea that someday someone might give me money for my music, or someone might say, "You are so awesome. We're going to put your face on a magazine." You know, whatever that is. I mean, I've, I've let go of a lot of it, but there's that little devil that's always, you know, that says, "Yeah, I love creating music for the sake of creating music, but I'm also, a, I'm also, I've always struggled to make ends meet." And if someone literally just said, "Hey, I'll give you a million dollars for this song," I don't know if I would be. I don't Take know it. if I'd have the strength. I don't know if I'd have the strength or not to why say would, no. You why know? would you say no? I, I don't know. That's, <laughs> but so I because I think of like you always come when I call like that 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 commercialism thing that I kind of like to poo poo as like a kind of a, a you know a, an art, a pure artist. You know, I I I think I'm not immune to it. You know, I don't think anyone is uh, right. You know, uh, well well Pat. Now that having heard us go on and on a bit about this, what did you think about that as the answer to your question? Well, first of all, I do believe some people are immune to it, and I've, yeah. I've personally turned down like That's a yeah. lot, millions of dollars of offers for one song in particular, but actually not just that song, you know. So, I, I but you know, I know it's a different world now, and uh, I'm, I can't tell you how I would react today because there's so many things that I I would like to support, you know, that mm-hmm. besides you know, things, causes and, and things that, you know, could create a great transformation for the little town we live in right. with with a certain amount of money, for example. So I don't know. I, I can't say whether I would, it would depend, you know, but I used to say, oh, you know, let me have 100% artistic control over the commercial that you produce and you can use the song. <laughs> and that, that oftentimes uh, would, that always <laughs> was a deal breaker, yeah. you know, you know. Uh, but but this song now now that I hear you, your discussion, which I really love your discussion uh, about this, um, I really feel that for me, all the while you were discussing it, for me more and more as a musician and a listener, I feel like the thing about addiction keeps coming back, and it, the, to me, it's like addiction to technology, it's yeah. addiction to. Um, the, the the possibilities of, of fame and all this mm-hmm. and um you know and and um it seems to me we buy the we we buy we like Cracker Jacks you know we buy it for we buy it you know for for what we can eat but but also maybe we're not always in the mood for Cracker Jacks but we're always thinking about that prize you know yeah. so we we keep buy, we buy we get addicted to the product. Because there's always a different, we never know what the prize might be. So I feel like, like in a way, music does, uh, does is kind of an enabler to get us addicted to technology, right. you know? Um, and, and, and maybe vice versa. Maybe it's a symbiotic thing, but um, I don't know. That's kind of where my mind was going. Yeah. And I, I got to say, I realized 
it's it's a you know I I've never had a you know a hit song. I've had songs that people liked or didn't like or whatever. But uh, but so it's easy for me to say, oh well, yeah. If you have you have so many songs, you have one hit. You know, yeah, sell it. But I have to. All, as soon as you were talking, I realized. Oh, if you had, if I, if one of my songs, again, knowing that synchronicity is what it is, that the way that that happens, that if if one of your songs is a hit in that way, and then people start wanting to to shift its focus to sell something, I could see very much being like, no, you could have one of the other, yeah. <laughs> you could have one of the ones you don't want, yeah, but yeah. not that one, that one, well, yeah. that one's st- that one's too has too it it. it dug too deep the synchronicity of it was yeah. just too yeah. powerful and potent and to me that's sacred and at that point it become it it and again I, that's why i love these conversations because i just uh, i can't i don't ever remember a time in my life where i felt sort of this kind of sympathy with someone who had a hit song <laughs> like the kind like i was like oh well, yeah that is harder than right. not having a hit song it's like it's like I wrote this song to disarm you, and now you want um, me to, you know, me to give you it to use as ammunition right. for your call. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I'm telling, talking to the corporate world. You know, like right. I wrote this song to sort of disarm you, and yet now you want to take it and use it as ammunition. It's just. It's just weird, you know. I just and we should say because we're talking because we know, but people may not know. You are talking about the Timbuk Three song. The future's so bright. Future's so bright. You have to. You have to wear I shades. To, yeah, it's the full title is Future So Bright, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what, well, what's what's so great about that song is it is it would be such an amazing advertisement for just about anything. Like you right. could use that to sell anything, which is a lot of power to have. Yeah. And it's a dangerous thing because yeah. you could sell something very negative with it. And that's what's so great about that song is right. it's like an anti-advertisement advertisement. <laughs> yeah. And it's like that's why it's so great. So I can see the complexity of of walking with this very powerful yeah. thing that you know could be weaponized in a way that you don't want yeah. to. Well, and Pat, I feel like I remember you saying something really wise of many things. Um, <laughs> you say many wise things, but uh, I seem to remember you saying something along the lines of a, a good song will add magic to a product, but then that product will also take the magic out of the song. Something along those lines. I'm kind of paraphrasing. Oh, right. Do you remember saying that? Yeah. You know, you said that's the yeah, problem with like selling that. a song is that you know, yeah, the song's going to add magic to whatever you're selling it to, but then that's going to take magic out of the song. Well, exactly. Yeah. This could take us. I mean, I almost feel like we're on the verge of having the kind of panel discussion you might have. At the Steel Bridge yeah. Song Festival. Do you have panels? Do you have song panels where people talk about these kinds of things? We don't do anything like that, really. We, we, uh, we just focus on songwriting and then we and recording the songs. And then at the end of the week, we do a, a couple big shows where, where the people perform all the songs. And, um, and that really takes all our energy. I'm not interested in any kind of like a industry event out of it or a, or a seminar thing. All the writers... You know they're not big. They, they do learn, I think, but but we don't we don't try. We're not trying to teach people about the music industry or anything like that. We're yeah. just kind of having a good time with the creative process and and um and uh. But you know, panel 
discussions would be really cool to have. I would love to have that, but but it's like we just don't have the energy yeah. for stuff like that. No, no, I I, I get yeah. it. it. Sounds like it's a beautiful it sounds bubble. Like it's a very pure yeah. It's a real song fest. Well, well, I certainly hope that I get to experience it at some point, and I just I feel well. Actually, I, I feel like I have a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Come I mean, here as a songwriter. Come here as a songwriter if you want to uh, uh, discuss it with Andrea and see if see if it's something you'd like to do because it seems like seems like you'd be a good person you good candidate because you were saying how easy it is for you to come up with ideas and come up with a song you know and and uh this is very much writing under the gun in a way but mm-hmm. it's a friendly it's gun the best. it's not it's the best yeah. way no it's the most that's the most fun that's you know it it's it's sort of a lonely thing to be to just write a song in your room alone and then just be like okay well mm-hmm. now i have to work at trying to get if there's at least one other person there who can D- gas on yeah. you like oh Okay. That's, yeah. That's that loosens things up. You don't feel like you have to then go out and try and find someone to play it for. So well, and also Pat, we, Andres and I were like musing about how, how what a ripe uh, uh, area for for the Oracle, the whole Steel Bridge Song Fest would be if if there was like a Radio Eight Ball show with Steel Bridge songs. I mean, think of all the possibilities there. It'd be amazing. Well, I I, oh, I travel wow. with the with the pop oracle wherever I go, so it's 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 unavoidable. I, I love your concept. I love the radio eight ball thing. I like the chance aspect. We, you know, we, everything we do here is based on chance too. You mm-hmm. know, in a way, because once we have the people there, and uh, it's chancy to some extent. But but yeah. But the spin the bottle thing is a lot like your uh, shake the eight ball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's also spin the bottle just immediately sounds kind of sexy. In fact, yeah. oh my god, that's what that's the well, that's the the single off my new record. It's called Spin the Bottle. What? Yeah, so that is some uh-huh. synchronicity there. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. So <laughs> funny. Um, well, I gotta hear it. Yeah, I'll send you. I'll send you a copy. Um, yeah, before tonight, before it's all done, you'll find something to listen to tomorrow morning. Well, and we'd love, and I want to get a song of yours to put on the end of this podcast. So start thinking about what you'd like to send us, and we'll put it on so people can hear what you do, if they haven't already. Ooh, ooh, uh, I'll, I, 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 that'd be great. I, I'll send you something. Excellent. Yeah. Cool. Well, cool. we gotta we gotta keep moseying here. We have other songwriters. I think calling through as we're yeah. As we're Jim talking. McKeever's up next. So, uh, well, thank you so much, Pat. I'm, this festival just sounds perfect, and only a, only a, a fellow songwriter could have, could create something like this. Yeah. And the the whole the, the whole thing with the motel, everything. It's a great story, and I I, I hope many listeners, other somewhere out there, there's a songwriter listening to this and planning their pilgrimage <laughs> <Yeah>. already. <laughs> great. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I might even be that guy. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball. We hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. For more info about our show, visit Radio8Ball.com, where you'll find the Radio 8 blog, our Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the pop oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you give us good reviews and ratings, that really helps get the word out. Until next time, I'm your
your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio April Show. No. 